Hey folks, in this episode of This Week in Photo, we're focusing on the Nikon Z9. This is Twit. Hey, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I am your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today, I get to sit down with my good buddy, Mr. Troy Miller, who also happens to be uh, a happy owner of a brand new Nikon Z9 camera body. We're gonna talk to him about that camera and more so about his experiences using the camera in real world wedding shooting environments, why he bought it, he's got other Nikon bodies, why did he move to the Z9, all that stuff. So Troy Miller, welcome to the show, man. How's it going? I'm doing good, thanks, buddy. Yeah, are you, uh, are you, when we, <laughs> We talk often, right? And every time we talk, you seem to be more and more excited about that Z9 that you have there. So much so that you sleep with it on the night on the nightstand next to you. <laughs> so, so I'm taking it you're 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 a happy customer. You still love the camera. I, I do. I really do. And um, you know, jokingly, yes, it's always right here. And part of it is because <clears throat> I want to become very familiar with the button configuration and just the feel of the camera. But um, you know, it's it was one of those cameras that I couldn't have been more excited once I got it and started shooting with it. I was a little apprehensive because I heard all the hype about how great it focuses and the focus tracking, and I'm like, eh, that's that's marketing, man. Let's mm -hmm. see what it really does. Yeah. So. Does it does it stand up to that? You know, I mean, we're going to talk about that in depth a little bit in this in this interview. But your first impressions when you took that thing out of the box and then hit the shutter button or half pressed it, did it focus quickly? Was it accurate, or were you like, eh, well, I'll have to take it out and see? <laughs> you know, it's funny um, coming because so to give some context, like I have shot with the Pro Series uh, D Nikon cameras since the D1X. So and the last the D series that I shot was the D5. And so I came from that and switched to the Zs, which is the Z6 and the Z7. And I was a little disappointed with the Z6 and 7 face and eye tracking. It wasn't as fast as I was used to focus acquisition with the D5, especially soft light. And so I was a little hesitant, you know, going into the D5, seeing all the hype. Um, absolutely no BS. I'm not, I'm not, you know, trying to promote Nikon. I, although I am wearing my Nikon Z shirt, you know, I do <laughs> you know, like it. That shirt um, makes you a little suspect. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know, I know. I dug it out. This is from like, uh, what was it? Like, um, WPPI, like 2018. <laughs> okay. <laughs> out of, out of the box. I could not have been more impressed with, with how well this camera did. I mean, backlit, um, super soft, dark light. And, and when I talk about like focusing speed, I'm really talking about, you know, acquisition in challenging lighting situations. Yeah. And it, yeah. and it, and it blew my mind. I mean, it was grabbing face and eyes in situations that I physically could not detect an eyeball in a face in a backlit situation. Um, but the camera did very well. So yes, I was incredibly impressed. You know, it's interesting. It's as we get older, you know, and technology continues to advance. At some point, there's a convergence line in my head, right? Of yeah. my eyes are getting worse, but the autofocusing technology is better than it was when my eyes were great, right? So, right. which which extends your your usefulness or your shelf life as a photographer? Because now, you know, imagine 
In other words, if you were you're a photographer today on a different in an alternate universe where autofocus wasn't here and you're still manually focusing, do you think you could be as successful of a photographer if you didn't have technology behind you? <laughs> um, I, I think I could because I, you know, half of my career I've been shooting for thirty years, so half of my career was shooting with a Hasselblad. Yeah. And yes, I think I could. But if that was the norm, then yes, I could keep up. But if I had to compete <laughs> with autofocus, no. No, yeah, the tracking and all that. Yeah, it just seems oh. it seems like science fiction a lot to me. I don't have the camera. I have, a, I have a Nikon Z6 II, which is the one that you you recommended, which is kind of in that the Z6 right. Z7 series before this this shift in right. technology to the Z9. I want to talk about that a little bit, but the um, the main differences. I know you you still have your Z6 II, correct? You still own that. I do. Yeah. yeah. So talk, talk to talk to those people, myself included. Right. The Z62 and then I'm lusting after the Z9. What are the main things that I should consider that, you know, would make me want to take the credit card out and buy that thing versus what I already have, which feels like, you know, it's got more headroom than I'm going to hit in terms of capability. Right. Why would I want to consider a Z9? Um if you're missing shots because of focus or mm. or your focus isn't on or you're shooting something that's so extreme that the focus tracking of the Z6 and the Z7 just can't do it. So like if you're shooting sports or race cars or you're out, you're a birder and you're tracking birds, um, this thing absolutely will track those things. Um, but the Z6 and Z7 don't track them as well. And the other thing is too, is that if you're having a challenge getting fast acquisition, and I'm not talking fast focus speed, because I think there's a difference between how quickly something focuses and how quickly it acquires a subject and then starts focusing, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're missing shots, then I would say the Z9 is absolutely something that you want to look at. I wouldn't go to the Z9 just for resolution. Uh, it's really, it's only 25% better than the Z6. Um, the image is beautiful. I mean, I can see the difference. Um, there's no doubt that the chip is nice. The sensor is nice, but. Yeah. It's state of the art though, right? If you, if you're coming in right. fresh right now, then chances are you should probably consider this. If you know, in, you know, all things being equal budget, all that stuff, then the Z9 is state of the art because there are numbers after Z9. So you want to jump in to state of the right, art, right? right? Yeah. So then, okay. So let's talk about focus a little bit and switch gears. So, I mean, obviously that's the main thing that brought you over to the Z9 was focus. I know you have some things that you can share on screen now that kind of illustrate that and kind of gives us, give us a contrast between Z6 focusing mm -hmm. and Z9 focusing. You want to bring that up? Yeah. Yeah. So let me go ahead and show you over here. So you're going to bring my screen up. There yep. you go. Um, so, so for me, and, and you highlighted it too a little bit, like, uh, you know, our eyes aren't as good as they used to be. And right. even so, even in challenging lighting situations, like in a subject matter like this, where they're a small portion in a, like a D5, for example, the focus bracket covers this whole face. And so when I say focus, it, it basically just averages out the contrast on his whole face where the Z9 actually found his eyeball, which I'm like. I can't do that. And shooting an engagement session, I don't have time for that. You know, I'm talking to them, we're playing. And even though they're moving around, the Z9 is trying really hard to stay on their head, stay on their face. 
Now, this is my wife shooting off camera with a Z6 II. And the focus is critical. It's really tight. I mean, it's a sellable image. But you can see that it basically averaged their heads. It didn't go for the eyes. Where, you know, when, oh, there I am. Uh, when we get back to the, um, the Z9, you can see that it's actually grabbing you know, the face a little bit. But how does it know which one to grab They're They look like they're both in the same plane. How is it? How is it? Does it just does it is it is making the assumption? Well, they're both on the same plane. So I'm going to pick one and focus on the eye. Yeah, it does. And you can actually switch inside um, with the D pad. Like you can switch faces if it if it detects two faces. Mm -hmm. Now, the focusing mode that I'm using, and this is actually the Z6 II, the focusing mode that I'm using is you have that what's called a wide focus area that you can move around and you can tell the camera, this is where I want you to focus inside. On the Z6 II, it only looks inside that square. I've never seen it track outside that. On the Z9, the moment that I lift the camera up, it's already looking for something to focus on, even if it's outside of that acquisition square. Um, so like on this one, even though, you know, they're spinning around and they're playing, you can see that it's trying to find out where their face is, which which to me is great because I'm not worried about moving the focus point around on the back of the camera to track their face as they're bouncing around in scene. I'm just I'm just doing composition, right? I'm only yeah. worried about composition. Well, you know, it, it come a lot of it comes down to trust as well, right? So if you're. You, you you know, like you said, like some of the previous edition cameras, maybe before the Z6 or the Z series, it was, yeah, I think I got it, but let me make sure, right? And, right. you know, because you don't have a chance to go back to that situation, so you're just going to shoot a lot and make sure you have at least one saleable in image in the bunch. Mm -hmm. With Do you feel like you have the, the trust level there with the Z9 that you can kind of put focusing out of your brain and just go to town on composition and interacting with your clients? 90%. Yeah. You, you always have to realize that, you know, gear, gear is fallible, right? There's always going to yeah. be something. So we're ultimately responsible for the button push. Um, but this is actually the Z9 is actually doing what I hoped that the Z6 and Z7 would have done in the focus tracking and the eye acquisition and the face acquisition. This is what I really wanted. Um, but I realized that my shooting situation is is kind of um, unique in that it's it's dynamic lighting all the time. My subjects are moving all the time. For anything else, the Z6 and Z7 will do that. But yes, I have trust in the camera now that if I pointed at you 90% of the time, 95% of the time, it's going to grab your face or your eye, if not better. I can't move that fast. Yeah. What about what about in low light? I mean, the, the shots that you were showing there are in, you know, what looks like nice daylight, at least kind of contrasty, mm -hmm. but they're in they're in good daylight there. What about low light? Are they, uh, you know, are all bets off when you when when the sun starts going down or you're inside doing the reception and lighting is inconsistent? Um, it, it does. It does a better job than I would have expected. Now, that's always been the challenge <clears throat> with cameras is low light and soft light. So, for example, like the Z6 and Z7 II struggle here. This is the Z6. Uh, you can see it doesn't grab their face. They're not moving at all. The Z6 could have easily grabbed their face, but the Z9 is looking even for fa pieces of faces. Wow. Right. And this is really really soft light. I mean, this is evening. This is brighter than what it actually, you know, looked like. Um, 
Oop, there's a my kitty. <laughs> but backlit, you know, it's it's grabbing the faces. Wow. And and yes, so that's always been the challenge is the really soft, low light focus acquisition. The Z9 is actually grabbing it faster than what I could have moved the bracket with like the D5 onto the spot that I wanted. The D5 would have done fine. The D850 would do fine. And the Z6, Z7 do awesome if I use um, focus point as opposed to face detection. Um, but it's the face detection in low light where I was struggling with the Z6 and 7. The Z9 blows that out of the water. I, I can't it's even. I can't even tell you. The Z9, the so you're showing the the cat there. So the Z9 will face detect on humans, dogs, and cats, right? Or or is it um, anything with a face? Any anything anything with a face? Let me see. Do I have any, pretty much anything with a with a face? I mean, I don't know about like snakes and stuff, but uh, these are these are really. Um, crappy bird shots so don't judge me on my bird photos um i've seen worse, I, this was after, this was after i did a, a a engagement session and i'm like i want to see how it works on on birds so these birds are running around and, and i'm like and then i have ducks that landed in my pool yeah uh so i just you know i pointed at it now to be fair uh it does better with humans than it does mm -hmm. with some animals. You see, there we go. You know, uh, and, and so, you know, your expectation may be different when it comes to animals. I, I can't give you, you know, um, hands-on experience of one camera versus another or how well I think it should track birds or animals, but I was impressed um, how well it tracked compared to what I was used to. I mean, you're shooting, but, you know, these, these, you know, more domesticated fowl, right? Hanging out in your pool and all that. Right. I'm, I, I'd be curious to see how that bird eye detection performs with a long, one of those super ridiculously long, you know, Scott Kelby, Matt Klaskowski type yeah. or Scott Bourne type lenses, right? That are shooting birds in flight from a half a mile away. Can it track those at speed at a long focal length and still give you those kinds of results. And from the from the sales video that I saw on Nikon site, the answer is yes, but I don't know. Yeah, it looks, how is it doing that? Do you know? I mean, I know, yeah, I did an interview, um, I think his name is Mark Cruz. He's one of the product managers over there at Nikon. And he was raving over the, the processor speed and the improved sensor and all that stuff and some kind of special dark matter, dark energy magic <laughs> that they poured, they poured into yeah. that camera to allow yeah. it to do this kind, these kind of focusing tricks. But I don't know. What, what, do you know like specifically what's going on under the hood inside of that camera that allows it to do these kind of tricks? I, I don't. I don't. They built the body out of unobtainium and it's filled <laughs> with dark matter. Like, I don't know, man. Like, like, I, I, I kind of want to know. The geeky part of me wants to know. I know the geeky part of you really wants to know. Yeah. Um, what, what I can tell you is, is I have shot with the Canon, Sony, Nikon, all the top end gear. I've got friends that shoot all that stuff. They all shoot with me at weddings. So I've been able to stand side by side. I haven't done it with the Z9, however, but I, I, I can tell you one, they're all super impressive, <clears throat> but having put hands on the Z9, the marketing material that I've seen, I would say is 
very accurate. I'm not going to say it's 100%, right? I don't know. But it's very accurate. I would trust that it would track the birds <clears throat> the way that you've seen them. I have a family of crows that live in my backyard and I went outside and if they fly overhead, I don't even have to try. It just tra it tracks the bird. I oh. mean, I can't I can't do that, right? Yeah. I mean, think think about think about the process, right? You're standing there with your camera, you see a bird, you lift the lens, your eye has to focus inside the camera and then you have to try to move that focus point to find that bird. It's it's already it's already gone. Yeah. Um, with this, I'm lifting it up. And once I start to feel like I have a subject in frame, I'm holding down the button. And before my eye can adjust and before I could move a focus point, it's already grabbed a subject and started shooting. Yeah. So <laughs> that's that just blows my mind right there. I mean, and that's not that's not marketing hype, dude. That's that's yeah, that's a, a real, real world. world. And it's saleable, yeah. right? Because you're you're I mean, you're shooting weddings, so saleable prints in focus in sharp equals additional revenue, right? Where if it was like, oh, yes. this shot was perfect, look at the light and everything, but it's it's not, it focused on the tip of her nose versus the eyeball, right? So yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, so what else? What else draws you to the camera? I'm still I'm so I'm still not sold. Devil advocate, right? devil's advocate. I have a, <laughs> I have a Z six two, which you know, is is a tank and can, like I said, can right. do more than I am capable of as a shooter. Yeah, and I'm, we're around the same age, right? So we're both getting older, of course. So the focus thing has me intrigued again, you know, devil's advocate. Why should I consider it? I mean, shutter speed or what, what else is in that camera? Ergonomics that makes, you know, beyond focus. For example, if focus is not a concern, if I'm doing studio stuff and my camera's on tripod all the time and, you know, I don't really care about autofocus, should I still consider that camera? Um, I don't, I, I would tell you as a friend, I would tell you no. And, and you know, you know that I talked to you uh, out of the Z9 initially and told you to buy the Z6 first mm -hmm. to get yourself into the Z system because, you know, mostly what you're shooting or mostly what some friends of ours might be shooting if you're shooting fashion or you're shooting something, you know, in studio. Like the, like the Z9 horsepower really isn't there. Um, I mean, it, it's not needed, right? It's not needed. Yeah. However, if you want to <clears throat> be able to flash sync at one thirty-two thousandth of a second, the Z9 can do that right? Where the Z6 and the Z7 can only go to 8,000th of a second. Um, that's huge. That's a, that's a big deal for stopping motion. Well, explain that flat. though. Explain, you know, the, the photographers that are like, yeah, those numbers, what do those numbers mean? What is this flash sync stuff and why should I care? Put it in real term, real world terms for why that's important to someone that's out, say, shooting a wedding or fashion or something like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So let, let's just take it to the studio, for example. So let's say you have a strobe system that is capable of producing strobes that quickly, right? So that you can use that shutter speed. Well, let's say you're photographing a dancer or something and you want to be able to get hair stopped in flight or they're doing a spin shot or uh, you're doing splashes or you're doing something like that. Well, a 132,000th of a second is going to stop that motion far better than 8,000th of a second. Um, for a wedding photographer, for me, I like to do a lot of um, fill flash, like on camera, you know, um, you know, natural light, adding a strobe to sunlight off camera strobes and stuff. And I use 
the SB5000 speed lights for that. I don't have to crank my aperture up like I used to, like F8, F16. I can now shoot with a shallower depth of field in bright sunlight at an off-camera strobe and sync at 132,000th of a second. Yeah. Um, and even if I'm not using a strobe, now I can walk out into what would be relatively bright sunlight, shoot with an 8518, a 2414, and I can shoot with that lens in relatively bright light where before that lens was not useful to me. Yeah, you know, because well, a neutral density well. filter or something crazy like that. You know, the way I like to think of it, and tell me if this is if this is an accurate way to think of it. We spend historically, we spend you know our photographic careers in search of cameras that can perform in low light, right? Oh, it's great in low right. light. I can shoot, I can shoot a black cat in a closet at midnight and still get a <laughs> saleable image. I need that camera. But what we don't put as much emphasis on is is excessive light and being able to control that. And that's what you're talking about with, with the super high shutter speeds, being able to shoot in bright sunlight on a, you know, a bright Santa Monica beach at noon and still have the sky exposed correctly and be able to pop a flash right. on your subject to bring him or her out, right? So it's, it's all about control, right. I think, at the end of the day. Is that accurate? Absolutely accurate. And even if you're not using a strobe, I mean, you talk about Santa Monica, right? Like, let's say you're out shooting a surfer, super bright sunlight, and you want to shoot semi-shallow, 2.8, F4, long lens. Um, maybe before you couldn't do that without, you know, putting a neutral density filter on. Now you don't have to do the neutral density filter, which means I can swing my camera on one side of the pier and photograph somebody in sunlight and swing my camera to the other side of the pier in shade. And I have the exposure latitude that I didn't have before. So, um, it's a, it's a tool with a lot of functionality. There is a, there is a feature that is almost worth the price of admission. <laughs> What's that? And it, it seems silly. Well, on the Z6 and Z7, you can't configure a button to automatically go to a focus mode. But on the Z9, you can. Now, it's just software, and I hope that maybe Nikon brings that to the 6 and 7. But on the Z9, I can hold down one of the one of the function buttons on the front, and it can switch to uh, just traditional you know, auto tracking nine point um, or single point focus. And if I let go of that, it goes back to like the face and eye tracking, which it, it's, it's, it's a game changer for me. Um, I need I need that. So those functionality traits built into the camera, the configurability is is a super big deal. You know what? One of, one of the things I want to talk about is the the lens lineup for this Z series of cameras, mm -hmm. the Z6, Z7, the Z62, Z72, and now the Z9, which means presumably there'll be a Z92 at some point in the future. Right, um, yeah, whatever, yeah. <laughs> right, or Z10, Z102, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the part, some of the, the comments online that I've seen have been about lens selection versus other brands, Sony, Canon, et cetera, that have this mountain of glass that you can choose from and you know, basically every conceivable focal length that you could possibly want. Nikon with the Z series is relatively new to the game. It's a brand new camera, it's a brand new flange right. distance, all that, which means new glass and all that. Have you come up, have you found yourself wanting for a specific focal length that you didn't have access to or are all bases covered right now with more on the way? 
Um, you know, as a wedding photographer, I don't have a lot of specialty glass. So no, I, I haven't had any challenges. Plus, yeah. um, the specialty glass that I do have, like uh, I have a, an F mount uh, 24 to 14. I have the 80 to 400 and I use those with the adapter and all the focusing speed, all the tracking, all the image stabilization that's built in body, all of that stuff works flawlessly. Like you don't even realize you have a non Z lens on your camera. Um, like a lot of photographers, when I first switched to the, to the, the mirrorless system, I thought, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just use the mirrorless bodies and then I'll just adapt everything that quickly went out the window. Once I started shooting with Z glass. Mm -hmm. So eventually I'll replace everything <clears throat> with the Z glass, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. And there, if you do, if you, if you go and uh, you do a search, there's a lot of camera manufacturers, I mean, the uh, lens manufacturers that make aftermarket lenses for the Z series, which there's a lot of really fun pieces of glass out there. Um, but you know, if you need something specific, just use the adapter. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. I'm trying to find reasons not to want to buy this camera. <laughs> I'm going down my, I haven't got to pricing yet. So maybe that's the end of it. Um, so to that, to that, you know, down the line of why shouldn't you buy this camera? What are you, what do you find missing right now? You, you, you highlighted a couple of things, but like main things that are missing from the camera that you wish might show up in a Z9 II or Z10. Are, is there anything that you wish you had as a, as a professional wedding shooter? Um, you know, I, I, I don't. And I say, you know, if you ask me this about every iteration of camera that I bought, I'm always like, oh my gosh, like this iteration is mm -hmm. the best. <laughs> it's amazing. They're really pushing the bar and not just Nikon, <clears throat> but everybody is really, really pushing these things. And I think that it's changed our ability to, to be able to capture. Um, the, the, the one thing that I would love to see in a camera system that I know we've all talked about is the ability to add apps. Mm -hmm. Now that's not something that's specific to Nikon, but uh, you know, I really think that there's a, there's a market for that and there's, a, there's usability and function for that as a user. Um, but in this camera, no, the one downside, and I don't want to say it's a downside of the camera. It's a downside of, of my usage of it is I am so used to the sound and the feel of the shutter mm. that being a hundred percent electronic is, is really kind of jolting for me. Um, I find myself, I have to really pay attention to my shutter speed. Uh, visually, I have to look at it in screen. The sound actually has a delay in it. So like if you do a long shutter, you'll hear the ch ch but I can't hear it from a distance and it doesn't, I can't feel it in camera. Mm. No, and so no that tactile was, vibration, nothing, right? Yeah. Well, I'll, you know, there's times when I'll be shooting uh, with somebody else and, you know, my, my wife is my second shooter and I'll be like, that shutter sounds a little slow I said, you know, check your shutter speed or whatever. It's like, oh, it's yeah, you're right. It's a 30th or a 15th and it should be a 60th or a 125th. And I can hear that. I could also tell, tell you the difference between my Z6 and my Z7s, all the models, just by hearing the shutters, they, they have a distinct sound you learn over time, right? Well, this, this Z9 doesn't have that. Yeah. So, but that's me, right? That, that's, that's yeah. me having to get used to it. And I'm getting, I'm getting more used to it. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you be careful what you wish for, because I, I was watching this YouTube video with some of the product managers out in Japan. You may have seen it, but they were they were showing that at some point in the future, maybe it won't show up, but the shutter sounds will become user configurable. <laughs> right. God, I and hope not. They had added the sound of a meowing cat in there. <laughs> So whenever you press the shutter, you hear a little meow instead of the shutter sound. So, you know, with great power comes great responsibility and be careful what you ask for because, you know, you might get it. You yeah. Know, um, I, no, go ahead. Oh, I, I, I would imagine that if somebody has any hearing impairment, um, it's going to be very difficult for them to sense that the camera has fired. Um, and you know maybe maybe something that Nikon can consider in the future is to put in like a vibration motor or something, or something like we have on our phones or something, so that yeah. there is a tactile response uh, that it's firing. We we went to a party, a birthday party, and it was so loud that I could not tell if the shutter was firing without consciously paying attention to the visual cue inside the frame, and. I just wish that I would have had some sort of tactile feedback that it had fired. Um, oh, that's that's really that's a really good idea. I wonder, I wonder if that could work with something like an Apple Watch, where maybe it's not fast enough to keep up, you know, the latency, yeah. the Bluetooth latency. But that'd be interesting if you could configure it so that you know, whenever you hit the shutter on the camera, your watch vibrated a little bit based on what the shutter speed was. So you could kind of build that tactile. But in absence of all that, yeah, just a little a little vibration motor like we have in our phones that vibrate. Even in our watch, we have vibration motors, right? How come they can't yeah. put them in there? Yeah, that would be that would yeah. be amazing to do that right in the shutter button right there. As soon as you press it, you get a little mm, Little little vibration. Well, yeah, it, yeah. I guess it depends on which button. Well, I guess if you did the shutter release button, maybe. But anyway, I I, I miss I miss that tactile feedback. It's yeah. nothing I can't get over. It's not a neg. It's not really a negative, but it's something that I wasn't conscious of existing. <laughs> yeah, there are you use know? cases, like you said, for for the you know in, hearing impaired people that that makes a a ton of sense to be able to, or someone like you said, that's conditioned to having that DSLR tactile kind of, you know, I feel it when I hit the button, something's moving in there that lets me know I did in fact create an image that, I think that's important versus it's all digital. Yeah. All the tactile feel is gone. You know, one thing yeah, I wanted to bring up in, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, there is a, there is a visual uh, feedback in the viewfinder. The outside edges have this white line that will flash. Unfortunately, uh, it's not always easy to see. Mm. So just be aware that if you're if you're coming from a mechanical DSLR or you know another mirrorless, that those may be barriers that not barriers, but those are things that you're going to have to retrain yourself to get used to. Um, and and that's why the camera's like with me all the time, and I'm taking pictures of the stupidest things all the time because it has to become muscle memory. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, I was going to say one of the things that I think you showed you showed me a couple of weeks ago was there's a little doohickey that you need to attach to the camera in order for you to be able to control your strobes wirelessly. 
That yes. fe- that feels like an afterthought, and that feels like, and I want you to explain what that is, but that feels like something that needs to be built into the next version of the camera natively versus a doohickey oh, that needs yeah. to plug into it. So what is that? What 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 do you need to plug in, and what does it give you once you once you plug? Good in? point. Um, God, I wish I would have. I wish I would have grabbed it. It's it's on the other side of the room. Um, Okay, so that little cut right there through the magic of editing, I paused the video to allow to allow <laughs> Troy Miller to go grab that little dongle so that we can show it to you. Troy, uh, let's see it. What what what's this little Borg attachment that you put oh, on this beautiful camera? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm focusing. I'll get it. I'll get it. Focus. Focus. There we go. There we go. Yep. Yep. So it's right here. Um, and what that is, is, is it's a, it's called a WR11A. And what it is, is it's a transmitter. Now it does a couple things. Um, it comes with a remote that you can actually, you know, trigger the camera. I have the, I have the remote right here. So, uh, it looks like, it looks like one of those, right? It's yeah. a little remote and you can, you can fire it, which is fine. But that guy also is responsible for controlling the strobes. So, for example, um, when that is connected, let's see if I, I'll get you into the menu. So when that is connected on the back of the camera, there it is. On the back of the camera, I can control my strobes now from here mm-hmm. while I'm shooting. And I don't have to put a cam. I mean, I don't have to put a strobe on the camera. So that that's what that remote allows me to do is this little guy over here will transmit to my strobes and allow me to control them wirelessly, which is really wonderful because I can put a strobe on the camera. I can be out running around shooting. I can grab that strobe, hand it to an assistant, say, hold it over there. And I just keep shooting like it's on my camera. It doesn't even matter. Right. Yeah. But you got to have that thing on your camera. That's ugly. I mean, it's messing up the beauty of <laughs> yeah, that camera. Like, Look I at know. that thing. Look at that. So that, I mean, that's a clear opportunity. <laughs> so put that oh. inside the camera and put a little motor in the camera so that people can toggle on and off if they want some sort of vibration, tactile feedback. And it used to look like that. Oh, my God. Look it, at that. It used to be worse. <laughs> So what does that give you in all seriousness? What does that give you that you can't like if you I know you use Godox strobes from time to time, right? So you can get a Godox controller, put it on top of your camera and control all your Godox lights just like that. Why? Why would you go that direction versus this or even a Godox strobe? You can put a Godox strobe speed light on top of your camera and from that control all your other Godox lights or just put a controller on there. Why wouldn't you do that versus all that simplicity and and mm. cleanliness and i get to stay in the nikon strobe system which uh, you know i couldn't say enough good things about like yes godox and nissan and all the other guys like they do a great job but they're like a 70 percent hit rate on exposure accuracy all those kind of things because it really sort of bypasses i believe the internal magic of the nikon um you know, speed light system, right? Yeah. So sticking sticking with the Nikon speed lights, my exposures are amazingly predictable. I have an amazing level of control and I don't have to have a thing on my camera to control another thing. I, 
I can just take a, I can have an assistant, like what I'll do oftentimes at a wedding is I'll have an assistant carry what I call the, the C, like my SB5000, it's channel C, and I'll just be like, hey, Dave, uh, I'm going to have you sidelight that. I don't, I don't need to do anything. I just go into my camera and fire it. Yeah. <laughs> I have yeah. control, right? Yeah. So much cleaner for me. Um, yeah. and I, and I, and I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Well, I mean, so. we've, we've clearly highlighted a couple of opportunities for improvement for the next version, <laughs> but you know, I couch that in, in saying that the camera as it stands right now is, you know, that's R2D2. I mean, that thing, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's highly capable and rugged yep. and get, you know, talk about headroom. Even the previous versions of the Z line, like the Z6 that I have, I love that body. You know, and it's it's going to last me for a long time. I may add a Z9 to it at some point and make the Z6 to my backup. But, you know, it's I feel like you can't go wrong with these. So with with that said, I want to talk about pricing a little bit. But I know you have one Z9 right now and multiple yep. other bodies. Is, yeah. is is there a plan in your future to replace everything else with Z9 so that every, everything's the same kind of body? No, no. Why not? Um, well, so in the in the past, it was always the 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 flagship camera was mine, and then the the previous flagship version went to my wife, which she's the second shooter. Um, but they were universal, and you know it was they were interchangeable and predictable. Yeah. Um, the Z the Z seven stuff is so capable. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I shot I shot weddings for almost three years with the Z system not really a complaint at all so um she doesn't need a z9 <laughs> she's good with the z6 too um, would she say that or is that you say <laughs> yeah 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 um you know if, if i didn't if i didn't have the z9 if the z9 didn't exist would i would i be like lusting for one not really yeah. you know you're not really hurting, I, right? It's a it's a first world problem. Like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. if only the focus was on the eye instead of the whole face. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I can't go on like this. <laughs> when the nine was first announced, and, and to be completely fair, I think you know this. We talked about it when the nine first announced the Z nine. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to get that. I don't need that. I don't. I don't need it. Mm -hmm. You know. And then uh, I saw some of the reviews and I saw some of the hype and I saw some of the marketing. And um, I know uh, I know you know Matthew Jordan Smith and I know him casually. I've met him once or twice. And I know that, you know, Matthew is, is an Nikon ambassador. I think that's what they call it. But mm -hmm. um, he, he did a little, he did a presentation with Nikon. He was sharing it. And, and knowing, knowing Michael a little bit, I know that he's a pretty genuine guy. Matthew, yeah, Matthew. and I know what he shoots, and I know you know we've chatted, and having him talk about the Z9 on and off camera was just nothing but praise, and to me that meant so much to hear yep. somebody who I know is a a real world working photographer, photographing people, challenging lighting situations. He's a very creative person. Um, and then I think, I think, uh, what really sort of tied the knot for me was, um, you know, just a, other photographers that I, that I respect that was, that was using it. So yeah. then I thought, okay, I got to give it a look. Yeah. Uh, well, before we close this, I want to 
again, you know, my job is devil's advocate, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> at least in this context, uh, because, I, you know, a lot of a lot of interviews I do, this one included are selfish. Right. I'm 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 picking sure. your brain because ultimately I want to get one and I want I want you to convince me not to. That's the whole point here. Uh, but. Nikon has been behind, right? I've talked about, we've been talking about Nikon on This Week in Photo for years and kind of like, what the heck is going on with Nikon? Why, are, you know, Canon and Sony are eating their lunch and Nikon is still kind of trailing the pack. Even Matt Granger, who's been on the show many times, he used to be known as that Nikon guy, switched his brand and moved over to another brand. Now it's back on Z9, but you know, he moved, he said in that interview I did with him because Nikon was moving so slowly and these other brands were just doing all this cool stuff. So he kind of had no choice then to evolve and move to those. But now he's back. So question is, why, you know, A, it's a two part question. Why did it take Nikon so long to to kind of get with it and release a new flagship that was competitive to these other guys? And B, is it going to be another decade before we see more innovation or is this the beginning of them catching? They've caught up to speed and now they're in the race or they did they shoot this one out and now we're going to wait again while Sony and Canon eat their lunch again for another five, 10 years and then they'll come out with another one. <laughs> what do you Those think? are harsh words, eat their lunch. Uh, I, do remember when the, I do remember when the D5 came out, or maybe it was a D4, but the D5 came out. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the other camera manufacturers were a little nervous about its performance. It was pretty yeah. amazing. Yep. Um, you know, I've been around with Nikon for a long time. When I say been around, I'm like, I'm not an ambassador. I don't work for Nikon. I'm not sponsored. I've never done any of that. Um, but I, I have owned since their, their D1X, right? And they came out about six months after Canon's 10D back then. And I think Nikon is just very, very deliberate in their manufacturing process, in their product line, and in their release. Mm -hmm. And I have come to appreciate that because with the release of the D1X, it was amazing. With the release of the D2H, the D3H, uh, as we went up through the through the ranks, they were all amazing and they were evolutionary. Um, when Nikon stepped into the mirrorless uh, system, which yes, they came in late, I did not hesitate to start selling off my DSLR gear because I had full confidence that that camera was gonna be amazing. And it was. No issues, no problems, no pieces falling off, no glitches, no lockups, right? Yeah. Tiny minor issues. So when they launched the Z9, I was like, ah, this is gonna be, this is gonna be good. Yeah. So I just think they're deliberate, you know. I I have confidence in in the system. And who's whoever who's selling the most cameras? I don't think that that really matters. Um, yeah. I think that you know Canon and Sony have always sold a lot of cameras. Sony has come up through the ranks. We've seen that happen, right? Yep. Uh, kind of kind of put the fear of com competition in Canon and Nikon a little bit. So I'm not I'm not worried. I'm not worried. Th this gear is going to work whether Nikon shuts down tomorrow or not. I'm confident in their product line. They're producing lenses and bodies pretty much on their calendar that they that they've talked about and Every time they come out with a lens, uh, it's like, wow, rave reviews. Yeah. It performs. Yeah. 
So I, 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 I see deliberate. I, I, I get that. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree with that. And that, like I said, devil's advocate. But the, uh, you know, a good analogy to think about this stuff is people, you know, I talk to people all the time that say, yeah, I was introduced to photography from my granddad gave me his old whatever brownie or whatever camera. And I started shooting with that light, the properties of light, the speed of light, the physics around light and right. the, the concepts of photography, exposure, composition, all that stuff remain constant for the most part. Right. So if you go grab a brownie or whatever camera, you can shoot that today and it'll still work. Right. And the same with these cameras. I don't I look at it like the cameras aren't like aircraft where aircraft require constant maintenance, um, parts changing here and there, things wear out over right. time, you gotta do this, inspections in order to keep that thing safe and keep it in the air so it doesn't drop out of the sky. Cameras, you can just leave, as long as you charge it, right, and take care of it, that thing's <laughs> probably gonna work. Right? Yeah, we get firmware yeah. updates from time to time to fix little things or give us new features here and there, but for the most part, yeah. that, exposure triangle, f-stop, shutter speed, ISO, and if you add focus in there, that's all gonna remain the same. Even if you're auto-focusing, all those auto-focusing superpowers you talked about, that goes away. You could still yeah, manual yeah. focus, right? <laughs> so. Right, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's about understanding your subject and it's about being able to capture an image. I mean, I have a D2H still. It's a four megapixel camera. When the Z7 came out, I went out and I did a, a side-by-side -side shoot with a couple of mine. They ended up buying a 16 by 20 from the D2H. They loved it, right? So that thing is steam powered. It focuses super slow. Um, I shot it with a garbage Sigma lens and they loved it. So yeah. it, 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 find gear that's that's fit for your purpose. Um, if you're gonna go out and shoot you know, race cars or you need to be able to capture things quickly, then different gear is required. Um, if you're gonna be shooting in the studio and you're photographing still life, you probably don't need the focusing horsepower in some of these some of these cameras, you know? Yeah, no, it's very true. Let, let's end it with, uh, with pricing, acquisition price, body, yes. body only. Uh, I just did a quick Google search and uh, on, where is it, B&H, B&H has this for Fifty-five hundred dollars, fifty-five. Cheap. Cheap. Well, fifty-five hundred. Or, or four hundred and fifty-nine dollars a month. You can take. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so to put that in comparison, I mean, if I remember the the Canon five D or the one DX Mark Four, I think was pushing seven grand, <laughs> right? <laughs> and the D five was like $6,500. So yes, it's it's a lot of money, um, but it's an incredible tool. And it's yeah. it's the flagship, right? It's the top of the line, so. Gotta have it. <clears throat> I was looking You're at right? these prices. I was looking at these prices and cost. <laughs> I was like, okay, no. <laughs> but yeah, wow. So this to be good. fair, 
to, you know, to be fair, when it comes down to, to this gear, you know, th this gear is not my hobby. This gear is not like a passion project for me. This is not, this stuff is not optional. I mean, I make my living doing this. Um, I need the equipment that's going to get me the shot. That shot's going to get me a sale. So, you know, Nikon, plug your ears. Um, you know, if this camera was $6,500, I would have bought it and I would be happy with it because it, it would get me the shots that I need to sell the, sell the, the, the images that, that I need to, to make a living. Cause I make a living selling my photographs. I don't make a living getting booked for the wedding. I only make a li I can only make money when my brides love the photos, build wall collages, add images to their books. That's the only way I make money. Yeah. So if I'm not capturing the expressions, if they're not in focus, as my wife likes to remind me when I like to shoot super shallow, that there's a bunch of out of focus shots. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that ratio is no, going down, right? Yeah, there's no sale. There's no sales there. So, yeah. you know, I like to under promise and over deliver. I want to be able to provide imagery to my clients that blow them away. I need to be in focus. I need to have really crazy cool compositions sticking the camera in a bush shooting through a hole that i physically can't get into and i'm pretty sure the cameras can see my subject and they're focusing for me like yeah that's a winner right there right <laughs> yeah you know one thing we didn't talk about in this interview which is kind of out of the scope of this discussion but was the was the video capabilities of this new body this thing shoots 8k uhd and all the things that video shooters for the most part want does this camera uh before we end here i'm, I'm curious i always ask this the the lcd screen on the back is that articulated or is it one of those that just kind of flips out and goes flat like on the z9 and the z7 um so i can actually i can actually show you uh here it is because it's weird it's 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 a little different so it pops out this way it pops out this way right it also pops out this way and you can tilt it a little bit that way right you can see how yeah. it tilts a little bit to the left that's it um it's it's some so kind you're not going to face that you're not facing it forward to do selfie vlogging type things no. with that camera okay no basically you're going to pull it down or you're going to flip it up to look at it or you can pull it out to the side to look hmm. at it and you can pull it to the other side a little bit but not nearly as much as you can so that's a complicated um, it's very, mechanism that's oh my god it's yeah if you look in there you're like that that right there deserves an award for the geometry it took to make <laughs> to yeah. make that thing yeah optimus prime right it looks like a transformer right there. yeah so. and it it lays it lays very flat to the body that was one of the things that i was really impressed with is the screen lays very flat to the body where you see some cameras that have that articulating screen they tend to be really thick mm -hmm. so the the profile is really really nice um on that and it's very robust i mean i i flip that thing out all the time and just snap it back in and don't even think about it it's it's pretty tough so very cool yeah yeah it's been all awesome. right uh see I, i've gotten nothing out of this interview that convinced me that i don't want that camera <laughs> that okay. was my goal convince me not to get it i mean the price of course but you, you know <laughs> maybe i've convinced you that you don't need it yeah but you can absolutely want it 
and still get it. Yeah. That's fine. Um, well, um, can you get it? I heard those were in short supply. Is it? A, they are. They are hard to get. <clears throat> I will tell you though that if you're an NPS uh, member, like an NPS Pro member, um, which means you got to have uh, qualifying gear and you got to get an application and you can register, then you can go in and you can do what's called a priority uh, purchase order on any of the new releases or any of the gear that Nikon has, and you can get the gear quite a bit faster that way. Okay. So. Okay. Troy Miller. Thank you for uh, letting me pick your brain and uh, yeah. solidify my lust after that camera, <laughs> that camera <laughs> body. You and I are going to be hanging out in a couple of weeks, so I'm going to get a chance to yeah. actually get my hands on that camera, which, uh, you know, maybe you should just put it away so I don't I don't have the temptation of looking at it. Just <laughs> put it away. Bring out your old D3 or something. So I can yeah, play yeah. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah. Well, Troy, you know, if people want to see some of the work that you're doing or otherwise contact you, what's a what's a good way for them to reach out? Um, well, I'm I'm a regular on uh, this week in photo on uh, the yeah the Twip Network, which I know you can you can show there a little bit. Um, we hang out there. Your your community is awesome. I'm always there. Um, my wedding work uh, can be seen at imageryconcepts.com, and that's the easiest way to see what I'm doing. All right. Excellent. All right, my friend, we'll leave it right there. Thank you. Congratulations. And on that, uh, on that camera and don't let that thing get in the way of you and Margie and your wife, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> and get her one. No. Come on. You got to have a backup Z9 anyway. Just go ahead and get Look, another she's, one. <laughs> she's content as long as my images are in focus all the time. Like she's yeah. super happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, as we end this, uh, to be honest, that's the most exciting thing for me is the well, and about the Z6 too as well is the focusing power because you know I I shoot Panasonic as well. In fact, right now I'm on a Panasonic BGH1 as my kind of overqualified web camera <laughs> right here. Yeah, uh, and an S5 back there that I have that you've seen. So I use the Panasonic cameras, and Panasonics have not been the best at pushing the ball forward with focusing, right? And doing all the things that we've been talking about in this interview, bird tracking and all this low light, this, because uh, we're using contrast detect. But um, uh, that's one of the things that, that excites me the most about this is all that dark energy and magic that they poured into this thing to yeah. make the most critical thing arguably about photography, which is getting that focus right to yeah. make that effortless, right? Because you could have all the megapixels in the world or just a few megapixels. If that thing's out of focus, then it's garbage, right? So, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. exciting. That's exciting. Yep, that was a big deal for me. And it, it, it lives up to the hype, I can tell you. It lives up to the hype, which is which I was not expecting. I expected it to be impressive, but I did not expect it to be that good, so. All right, believe the hype. All right, Troy Miller, thank you, sir. And you have yourself a, uh, a good rest of your weekend. We'll see you soon. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Everybody be good. This is Twitter.